1: also known as Super G, is in the building, and we've got Mario, a.k.a. the Node Defender, joining us, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how a team of top-tier Ripple executives were in Washington, D.C. last night, helping to shape the future of American crypto regulation, as Chainlink co-founder talks about the turning point for a swift payment system, stating once blockchain is integrated, there's no going back. And with Citibank tokenizing bonds and bank deposits on the blockchain this week, We break down the details, showing our community how the largest financial firms on the planet are in the process of going digital. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, today is a pretty exciting day because Ripple, Citibank, but also Brad Garlinghouse is talking at Masari this morning, and we've got some live updates from that event. How you feeling, my friend? And thanks for being
0: here. Abs, it's a real exciting day. And I'll tell you why. Because in 24 hours, I'm going to get to see all three of you and give some rib uh, rib, uh, beer hugs. I'm rib-breaking beer hugs. So I'm really, really excited to see you all at Revive and all the Warrior Maniacs. Hopefully, if you haven't had a chance to be part of the Academy and join it, this is an event you're, you're not going to want to miss in the future. But good morning to everybody. Can't wait to hop into it, Abs.
1: Absolutely, guys. And we got Super G joining us as well. Gonzo, it's a pretty est- interesting time for Crypto. We're going to be talking a lot about Chainlink this morning. Obviously, we spend a lot of time on XLM, XRP, Quant Network, HBAR. We're seeing Chainlink and Ethereum come to the forefront. And we're definitely going to discuss it. But first of all, how are you feeling? And thanks for being here.
2: I'm feeling great, man. Good morning. Uh, I've already been up since like 1.30 uh, in the morning out here grinding. So I'm a little tired. But yeah, man, it's going to be awesome seeing you guys tomorrow. We're all going to meet up at the airport and then drive together. So that's going to be cool. But yeah, man, like the biggest use case for crypto... Uh, is payments. And you're starting to see all these companies and the different tech that's coming forward that's going to kind of ratify and remake uh, digital payments.
1: It's an exciting time for crypto, Mario. But I don't know about nodes. So we're not going to be defending nodes this morning, my friend. We'll wait till 2024 for that live action. But how you feeling, my friend? Thanks for being here. I'm always happy to see you. Also, this is a big day. Like Johnny Crypto said, we're going to be together tomorrow. So I'm excited.
3: Yes, we're going to be together tomorrow. And I am super excited. But... Good morning, everyone. I hope you're all doing amazing today. Um, It is, you know, as you mentioned, nodes, nodes are the foundation of a blockchain. So never forget that.
0: Just remember Absolutely. not to invest in them. That's- Absolutely, my. <laughs>
1: you me off guard there. I thought you were going to continue. But we got 166 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and get ready for a great show today. We're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates throughout the day. When we look at the crypto bubbles this morning, we've got Pulse Chain up 35%, but the rest of the market up about 3 to 4% across the board. XDC is up 4%. ATOM down 4%. When we look at the Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at 1.07 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 27,100. Ethereum, 1,600. XRP, been fairly bullish over these last 48 hours, climbed up to about 52 cents. That's where we're sitting this morning. And we've got Cardano sitting at 25 cents. And guys, we're going to be talking about tokenization, but specifically the collaboration between blockchain and traditional banking systems like we have right here. As breaking news from Citibank, they're going to be allowing customer deposits to turn into digital tokens that can be sent instantly anywhere in the world. And Johnny, let's try this right back to Ripple. We're going to go through a couple of videos here, connect a couple of dots, and kick it back to the group here. Here we go. Messages to banks that have liquidity. So... To some degree, Citibank and HSBC, uh, really the top two, JPM, those are the top three liquidity banks. And when you're sending Swift messages, you're sending messages to banks to release liquidity and making sure the debits and credits match. So to some degree, really boil it down, Ripple's competing with the liquidity of Citi and the messaging of Swift, but in one. And so, Johnny, we're talking today about how Swift has already completed a collaboration with Chainlink. And what they stated, this is from the, the CEO and co-founder of Chainlink. He said... Once Swift Swift integrates blockchain into their payment system, they will never return to the old system. They will never remove that liquidity. And that's the turning point that we've all been waiting for. But what do you think about the Citibank news before we dive into the details?
0: Well, we talked about this yesterday on the show, Ab. Citibank is now making their play into this space as well. And everybody, all these banks are realizing they need to have some type of cross-border payment system or some type of system that's going to bring it all together. They're all seeing. The writing's on the wall. They have to move into the Web 3.0 or they're going to fall behind. And as you said, they don't talk to one each, each other. They talk within each other, but not to each other. And that's a big problem, other than through the Swift system. And so we ran a demo yesterday, which was pretty cool. It actually showed how the Swift system works today and how slow and archaic it is and where all the fees are made versus the potential of what a system like Ripples can do uh, and how quickly the balancing in, in the transfer of this can all happen. And it's extremely fast and low cost. The problem is everybody's doing their own. JP Morgan's got Portier. Uh, Citibank's working on RLN. extra Ripple has the, their, their Ripple payment system. So they, we'll have to see. Yeah, and, and what was very fascinating in the report that we saw was that there is going to be no single one solution. There will be multiple solutions out there and we'll just have to see which one wins. But they're all... They're all getting it. They're all seeing the writing on the wall abs. And so now the question for us to figure out is, where do we invest? How do we make sure we're part of this rails of the system?
1: Gonzo, first of all, we got 222 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I just want to give our listeners a heads up. We're going to be traveling Thursday and Friday this week. So I think we're going to go live. We haven't decided we're going to do something for you guys, but it's going to be up in the air. So we'll keep you updated throughout the show. Gonzo, one of the things that I'm looking at right now is as the world is starting to adopt this technology, The SEC and American regulators are still pushing back against crypto companies. And yesterday, Ripple was actually in Washington, D.C., meeting with members of Congress to discuss a new crypto bill being passed in the USA. We're going to show our listeners a video right now before I kick it right back to you of the Citibank's lead for digital asset investors talking about how, once again, a big bank is working on Ethereum.
2: And I think what you just said means that you are using a permissioned version of the Ethereum blockchain. Um, And, you know, we've been talking about this for several months now.
3: I got no audio apps.
2: Yeah, I got no audio apps. But do you ever see there There being a day or a reason for a city itself or for a bank in general to implement public blockchains
1: so because the audio got uh, cut there i'll summarize really quick what she said is that banks are starting to shift towards this technology right and they're already leveraging ethereum that's what kind of what they're going to elaborate on here but the biggest hurdle they're facing is regulation but what do we know about the usa there is only one crypto token in the usa that has regulatory clarity that is xrp so why is citibank choosing ethereum instead of xrp Let's listen to her response and then we'll talk about it.
2: It's gonna really depend on regulation, in my opinion, because right now it's only permissible for us to be on a permission chain. You might have a bank that doesn't want to
3: touch a digital asset. They're like, we can't have XRP on our books, we can't buy it, we can't sell it. It's just too much of a regulatory challenge for us. But let's say they want to make a payment in Mexico and they don't want to have to pre-fund and they want they don't want to have to work get you know confirmation three days later. What they can do is they can have an ex rapid customer that probably won't be a bank. It'll be a payment company or some other type of institution that uses a digital asset to buy the Mexican pesos as an internal treasury function and then offers those Mexican pesos to the bank. So it's a workaround to the limitations that we found
2: that we think is adapted to the way the to the situation that we're in today.
1: So there's no audio on this part. And I feel like for the sake of our listeners, we should just talk about what was said there. One of the things that we can look at right now is that Ripple has been annexed from the traditional banking system, Gonzo. But obviously, Ethereum's got the regulatory pass. Ethereum has shaken the right hands over the last 10 years. And to no surprise, Citibank is beginning to tokenize assets on top of Ethereum and the ERC-20 protocols. I'd like to hear from you as somebody who's really informed about Ethereum. Obviously, it's no surprise. But when are we going to see the regulatory shift to first of all, become crypto friendly? And second of all, how are they building on Ethereum when there's no regulation for Ethereum? We can debate Bitcoin opinion versus litigation. Ethereum's up in the air, and I do think a dark day could be looming. What do you think about everything that I just showed you?
2: I, I'm just going to lean into the tech side of it. Like, So you have Citibank, and basically what they did is they're using smart contracts, and then they're tokenizing on liquidity. It's a token that can move faster, cheaper, right? Um, but what do you need for smart contracts? You need data, you need oracles for them to work, right? That's why their partnership with Chainlink because they need the oracles, right? So that's why they're building on that. Not to mention, it's not going to matter whether it's a private chain or a public chain. That's what CCIP is. That's that's what Chainlink is building, a connection point for all the different blockchains. So it doesn't matter if it's a private chain or a public chain, they're going to be able to connect through CCIP and then move value through it. And I think we're going to see this You're going to eventually see Ripple, whether it's Ethereum, Solana, one of the layer twos. They're all going to have a cross-chain capability where they all eventually connect together. But I think that's why they're building on it is because of CCIP and its ability to cross-chain. AVAX is another thing that got kind of mentioned in that story because of their subnet technology. So they all kind of tweak the technology a little bit different, but the main thing is that they're able to all connect. And that's where we're heading to. They're all going to be able to connect and communicate with each other.
1: Mario, we're in an interesting point when it comes to United States adoption, because it seems like as this technology is being adopted in Japan, the UAE, Hong Kong, all these different corridors, specifically in the Middle East and Asia, are becoming very crypto friendly. That's where most of the capital of this market looks like it's headed. So if we don't see a complete 180, even for the Ethereum project and the Ethereum Alliance, I think that we're going to miss out on a huge opportunity. Do you think that the U.S. is going to be forced to shift over the next 12 months because this uh, market is evolving so quickly?
3: I think that the U.S. is definitely not um, deliberately falling behind, if that makes sense. I, I think that they're doing everything by, by design. Um, but to, to obviously, I, I do agree with you. I do agree that things need to be done in order to keep up with how uh, the world is moving. Web3 is a must in order for so many different sectors, not just not just payments, but so much stuff is moving into Web3. So payments is this one sector that is super archaic, um, really old systems. Uh, we discussed last night on the Blando Crypto, it takes like days just for somebody in the U.S. to send money to Mexico. And yep. that's inconceivable in today's age. It should be fast. It should be almost instant. It should be seamless, cheap, and 24-7 meaning every single day of the year. And that's something that we we need to catch up to, not just the United States, but the entire world. Now it's going to take time because we have centralized um, systems, right? Like SWIFT, and they're not going to give up their control that easy. It's going to take potentially, as we've been just discussing in previous articles, it's going to take a really massive bank like JPM and Citi to start to talk between each other, like Johnny referenced, and maybe create a system. I think we're starting to get to a point where we may finally get an answer to something that I've been thinking for a while is why would they go and use Ripple or Ripple's products or XRPL if they can create their own? Why would they go and use Ethereum if they can create their own? I think that the choice of Ethereum is still a little mind boggling to me because Ethereum is not the best technology out there. Ethereum is not Clear doesn't have uh, a clear regulatory um, like uh, circumstance in the United States framework. Framework, right? So it's still mind-boggling to me that Ethereum continues to be chosen. So I think we might finally get an answer soon. I mean, we're starting to see JPM; they're they're starting to get involved. Uh, City; they're they're coming out with their own thing. And if they put this in the hands of the millions of customers that they have, that is a massive step into adoption and which is something that it would take a lot longer for ripple and, and ethereum and all these different applications to uh, to
2: be able to catch up to. And Mario, it's our- oh, article. They don't they don't they don't have to and I'm I'm just thinking outside the box here. They don't have to build it on Ethereum. They could do what base did right, what Coinbase did building a layer two and not have a token and have it be just as scalable and just as cheap, right? Same thing that we're seeing with Polygon and ZK EVM, right? They're, they're, they're able to build uh, their infinite, they're, they're making it so that they're infinitely scalable, right? So they could have like a thousand different chains and all those chains do different things, whether it's a crypto game, whether it's a bank or whatever it is, they could all have their different chains that are built on top of it. And then what happens is it settles on top of Ethereum. So I'm guessing like that we're going to see more of that. Base was the first but they really didn't say if it was a layer two or on ETH, but I can see them starting to build their own blockchains on top of Ethereum using the layer twos.
1: And what's really interesting about what Mario brought up, Johnny, is the article we're about to go through right now. We got 350 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I'm seeing that I'm getting a little Wi-Fi issue here, Johnny. I'm going to ask to kick it over to you. But before I do, there's one quick question that I have for you. We are watching Ripple be adopted around the world. And specifically, this article right here shows that in the last 12 months, ODL usage from Tranglo to Ripple is up 20x, over 1700% in the last 12 months, increasing payment volume from only $90 million to over $3.3 billion in the last 24 months. With those types of articles and this type of adoption taking place, why do you think they're choosing Ethereum? It's like Mario said. The banks are building their systems, but there are these public systems that exist that can actually do it much better.
0: Because you have two different factions. You have the big boys that make the decisions and have the connections. And then you got the the smaller little guys that are that are outside the circle and are looking for a solution to be able to compete. And so Ripple Smart, they're going after that low-hanging fruit and grabbing those those little players. They got all the little guys. They don't have no big guys in the game. They got all the little guys, and they're smart. They're going to plant their seed and try to give them, you know, put the system in their hands, and hopefully they'll adopt it, and all the little guys will play on the Ripple system. But the big boys, you know, they've already decided that Ethereum is, is is the one. And as Gonzo said, they're going to use it. It isn't going to be the main transaction, but it'll be one of the layers of the system. There's no question about it. I've been saying it for a long time now. Ethereum's not going away, guys. It's not. Everybody keeps, oh, it's not the greatest. It doesn't matter. Swiftway is the best system either, but it ain't going away. It didn't go away for 70 years, I mean, right? Nobody replaced it because it's in there because it had the right people who who developed it and put the connections in place. And I think Ethereum is sitting in the same position. So Ethereum is going to be here to stay. It's not going to go away. And it's probably going to be one of making the the, the fundamental underlying layers of that system that the big boys are going to use. So the question becomes, at the end of the day, how much of the of the system or of the total value of of money that's out there in this space can ripple put on their system in terms of transferring value versus what the other systems are going to be and more importantly what's the connecting bridge to bring them all together and again that's why i'm really excited about things like quant and link because you got to have both of them in your, in your, again, not financial advice, not financial advisor but for me, you got to have both those in your, your horses in your stable, because something has to bring them all together. And we know that those right now are the two leading edges or technologies that are out there that I don't that neither Here's the one thing. Everybody's creating their own system for cost, but nobody else is creating. You don't see JPM working on interoperability. You don't see any, anybody else say you working on interoperability between them. So most likely, something that's already out there will be adopted, and I'm betting it's going to be Quant or Link. That's my guess.
2: You know what's funny about Link is that you would think, because usually you have like the first mover, right? Like you had Ethereum. Chainlink was the first. It has all the partnerships to do all the oracles, right? You would think there would have been other projects, because usually once you get the main one, you got the like one or two that come after, right? But we haven't really seen that. Like unless you guys know of another Oracle project, It's kind of just Link in the space. They're the only ones that have been developing the Oracles and been in this kind of leading the industry. But I can't think, I was thinking about this last night, I can't think of any other Oracle or any other project that's doing what Link is doing. So uh, it's going to be interesting.
1: You know what's really cool is that Link not only finished their collaboration with Swift, but they also broke down the three biggest catalysts for the crypto market. And one of the biggest catalysts that they talked about is integrating traditional finance onto the blockchain, not revamping the whole thing. And that's a big difference between what Ripple does and what Chainlink does, right? Chainlink can go to a bank and upload the bank's traditional banking information onto their blockchain. While Ripple comes in, they advocate for a full-blown revamp. So you're not going to use the system. You're going to go through Ripple X and tokenize everything through their blockchain. So there are some fundamental differences here, guys. But this is an article I found to be really important, Johnny, is this is Chainlink's co-founder, breaking down the biggest findings from the collaboration with Swift last month. He said the first thing that this collaboration proved is that you can use existing banking infrastructure like Swift and Swift messages to easily connect hundreds of chains with very minimal amount of effort from banks. This means that banks can go go on to hundreds of chains very efficiently. On the second thing that it proved is that multiple chains, both public and private, can be connected effectively and reliably for those banks to transact with one another This is something a lot of people don't know. Currently, central banks do not communicate with each other. Not in the US, not in the EU. Central banks are individual organizations. And what blockchain is doing is they're bringing that volume and all of that liquidity into a center, into a a one-way system, I guess would be the best way to describe it. He said the final thing that their collaboration proved is that those private blockchains can transact with public blockchains effectively, meaning that the value from the private blockchain industry can flow into the public blockchain industry which I think would have a very important impact on both the banking world and the public blockchain world. He also said that their value, it's almost infinite when it comes to tokenization of assets. Banks will begin to utilize blockchain technology as they'll have to connect it to their existing infrastructure, which this is a big hurdle for them, is going to take a large financial investment. He says that Chainlink will also allow banks to integrate their systems into the crypto space, bringing their value on to the public blockchains, Johnny Crypto. And that's exactly what this market needs. Incentive for banks to get involved with crypto. Seems like Chainlink is at the forefront. What do you take
0: away from all this news? So we talked literally about this article yesterday, Abs. And the, the thing that's the most important here is, one, this was just a test or a trial. Nothing's been developed yet out of it. But they realized what they were trying to prove was, could we get everything to talk together to each other? And probably the two most significant things from that discussion or article is one, that there's no system in place right now, and it's going to take a long time to develop it. That was point number one, he said. And number two is that he said there's not going to be one single chain solution to rule them all. It's going to be a combination of multiple systems. And that's what we've been saying on this show. That's why everybody says, oh, Johnny, you're crazy. It's going to be here in 2025. No, hell no. This is going to take a long time to develop And build this system and get it spread out through the whole entire world to work on. We're talking a very, you know, five to ten years, you know, I think. Now, by 2030, yes, the whole world, I think, will be operating on some kind of system like this. But it's going to take time. And they literally just finished step one. So they just finished a basic test prototype, if you will, just to kind of do a proof of concept to see if it works. And they're like, okay, yeah, we got something here. Now we got to go actually build the real system, put it together, and then test it around the world. And that's going to take several years to happen, Abs. But the reality is Swift is not going to go down without a fight. And this is their first step or movement into it. And you saw they had a partner with somebody that could do interoperability. Interesting that they chose Link over Quant. So that gives you an idea of, again, both those two guys are going to be fighting for the space, Quant and Link. And uh, again, it's just more indicators of where you want to make sure, you know, you have some of those horses in your statement.
1: Guys, we often talk about how many horses are in the race, but how many races are in the horse for Chainlink? And I think this is one of the most important projects over the next six to 10 years because uh, because of updates like this, Mario. Check out the last paragraph before I kick it to you for your opinion. He said the only way banks are going to be able to use blockchains effectively is from their existing infrastructure. Once you put a lot of value into the system, you're very unlikely to shut it down. And this is what we've highlighted since day one on this channel. We are going to reach an inflection point with crypto where banks, they're leveraging this technology. It goes from a speculative asset class to a utility-based asset class. It appears we're on the precipice of a chain link. So what do you take away from all this news? Multi-blockchain world is lying right in front of us, but chain they're in a great position.
3: Yeah. In my mind, that's exactly what I see. I see a combination of public and private. And I see the ability to be able to communicate or exchange or transfer value between public and private, because in my mind, I can't see a bank or a financial institution want to participate in a form of public blockchain from a perspective of uh, privacy and obviously everything being public, you know, addresses, you could see all that information. So I definitely think that it makes sense to have a public to private connection. Um, I think that, As you mentioned, the complexity of of the infrastructure of of banks, it's going to take time, as Johnny Crypto said, it's going to take a lot of time because there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of systems that banks are utilizing. So they're going to go very methodically, slowly, little by little. They don't want to break the system. They want to upgrade the system. So I believe that they're going to do things little by little. And so it could really take longer than most people or even I think that that it could take, you know, as Johnny mentioned 2030, um, possibly maybe even longer to see like a fully, fully uh, implemented system. But I definitely think that all these different partnerships, they're being done for a reason, you know, partnership with Chainlink. Chainlink might not be the one it might be quant. But I guess the big takeaway that we can take from it is that this technology is the one that's being looked at as a uh, future replacement to what we're currently
1: what we currently have. And these articles and videos like these that it becomes more important every single day, Johnny. But we got 371 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is a video of Brad Garlinghouse explaining how Ripple can unlock $27 trillion worth of liquidity from the banks.
0: There's $27 trillion
3: dollars around the world parked in what are called Nostra accounts. These are the accounts that other banks bank entrepreneurs use for liquidity. trillion. This is dormant capital. And worse, it's capital that sits in another currency that might be inflationary,
1: and I as a bank don't even want it there. But there's $27 trillion sitting out there. If we can use a very efficient digital asset like XRP to improve the efficiency of that, reduce the need to pre-fund $27 trillion, you can really change the nature
2: of a bank's profitability.
1: And that's what we're on the precipice of Mario. These types of videos are so important and I just want to remind everybody Brad Garlinghouse is speaking at Masari this morning and I think that we should take you through some of the updates from the event. One of the things that we've noticed about the SEC and Ripples relationship since the end of the lawsuit is Ripple is fearless. They're saying whatever they like and this event is absolutely no different. Check out the latest statements here from Brad Garlinghouse. He told the uh, the interviewer at MainNet 2023 when you walk into the SEC building, They're not your friend and it's not a church. You don't have to bow down. So what's really interesting here, Johnny, is that look at this quote right here from Brad Garlinghouse as well. You don't have to stand up to a bully. He's pursuing power. He's pursuing politics, not sound policy. Ripple CEO on SEC Chairman Gary Gensler, he's not wrong. So we're getting some strong statements out of Ripple. And obviously they have good reason to do so. They just made it through a three-year legal battle and came out on the right side of this thing. But Check out this article we're going to show right after, Johnny. This is the latest update from the SEC, as the SEC is now warning crypto exchanges that they are going to continue their attack on crypto, attacking other exchanges besides Coinbase and Binance, and also going after DeFi in the United States. You said this forever. They don't have the resources to attack individual projects. And after that loss with Ripple, there's really no reason to do so. So now their next, their next big move is to go changes. exchanges. What do you tell about all this information? SEC is going after exchanges besides Coinbase and Binance.
0: Well, you're breaking up a bit there. So I think I think the question, well, I also I'll give you my two cents on this whole thing. So, first of all, you know, Brad's right, but you gotta remember when you go up against the big boys, you gotta have a hundred million dollars in the bank to stand up against them. And not every company can stand up against the SEC like Ripple was able to, right? So so that's problem number one. He's right. The SEC is not their friend. They walked into the building thinking hey, these guys want to work with us. And what they found out later was, no, they want to extort them. And they took them for $100 million. But, uh, or whatever they're going to end up paying them. But nonetheless, it's, it's a big chunk. You know? so, you, so you want to fight or stand up against a bully, it's going to cost you something. Now, in terms of your second comment about the SEC saying we're coming after them, again, this just that you know, the sad part about this is I kind of was hoping the Operation Choke Point was over. I kind of hope that they... Accomplished what they wanted to accomplish, which was kill San Francisco and kill the hub of crypto. Which you know, Chris Larson has already said they've killed it. I really was hoping we're past that, but the fact that the narrative continues that we're coming after more exchanges means Operation Choke Point is not over. Looks like they're gonna continue to crush crypto. And the only, the only, I always look for the silver lining, the positive side of the story, and what that means for all of us is. There's going to be more negative news coming out. It's going to drive the market down, and that's going to be an opportunity to possibly DCA in. Because here's the good news: at the end of the day, they can come after and crush it and kill it and do everything they want. We know it isn't going away. Crypto has already shown shown it's resilient. You knock it down, it gets right back up again. Right? It's coming. It ain't going away. That's right. You can give it a right hook, left hook. You know, and, and like I tell my kids all the time, you know, well, they, why do you get knocked down? So you can get back up again. And crypto has certainly shown. It can get up every single time, and so the reality is, you just have to be a smart investor. You have to look at these narratives. Well, first, you have to believe one thing that crypto is not going away, which all of us here believe that, right? I'm speaking for all you guys because I know you three and I know where your where your minds are at. Two, then you say, okay, let me look at where the opportunities are to DCA in the best. Well, it's going to be on those days of the bad narratives. That's where you're going to take advantage, and you're going to buy. When you want to puke, you're going to buy when it feels horrible. You're going to buy when you don't want to buy. That's when you got to buy. You got to buy when your gut tells you you don't want to buy. And so for me, Abs, that's the silver lining out of this that Operation Choke Point probably is not over. But that means the opportunity, as somebody said here in the chat, somebody said in England, hey, I'm so grateful for the SEC for allowing me three years to DCA into XRP at low prices. Exactly. That is exactly what you should. It's a smart guy. And that's what you should be doing is taking advantage of these opportunities to pack your bags and put more horses in the stable. Because we know it's not about the horse in the stables, as God's like to say, but it's the races in the horse.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, guys. And it's validation like this that only shows crypto is here to stay. One of the biggest things Mark Yusko taught us, Johnny, is you can value an idea based on how big its enemies are. And look at this, guys. The enemy is the Securities and Exchange Commission, but we got 403 live joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'm kicking it to you right after these comments. The lead for the SEC when it comes to... So let's see this. It says, David Hirsch, who runs the agency's office and handles crypto enforcement, is continuing the attack on cryptocurrencies. He said the SEC is going to continue to be active as to intermediaries. They can be brokers, dealers, exchanges, clearing agencies, or any others who are active in this space are within our jurisdiction and not meeting their obligations. Now, what's really interesting is the final quote within this article here, Gonzo. It said this, one of the interviewers asked, it feels like you're at capacity and don't have the resources to file additional lawsuits. Well, Hirsch actually conceded to that argument. He said there are more more tokens existent, I think 20,000 or 25,000 last I read, than the SEC or any agency has the resources to pursue directly. And similarly, there are a number of centralized platforms out there that are acting as unregistered exchanges. Let's decode that argument right there, Gonzo. Crypto, we don't have the resources. Exchanges, get ready for a legal battle. What do you take away from all this news?
2: Yeah, it definitely sounds like he's going to start going after DeFi protocols, right? Uh, Because that's the biggest threat to traditional finance. Uh, I'm not surprised because until we get actual regulation from Congress, um, or we get a change in presidency and we get a change in commissioner, he's going to continue to do this. He's going to follow his marching orders, and he's going to continue to to throw out these lawsuits. Even though you know they've taken some really big Ls, we're still kind of waiting for the other kind of maybe shoe to drop to see if the Coinbase case gets um, dismissed, right? Because we used to think it was kind of a zero chance. But the more that you look at it, like there's really strong arguments in that. If you go to crypto law and check out John Deaton, he did a really good video on on some of the arguments as far as um, can the case be dismissed. And and there's a chance, Um, you know, especially when that judge dismissed the Uniswap case, which was DeFi, right? Um, But I'm not surprised. And at this point, it just seems like manipulation, like people in the chat are saying, you know, he wants to manipulate the market so that his buddies can get in at lower prices. And then once they're all kind of set, then they're gonna let this thing run. And we're just very lucky. And I'm appreciative that we're able to get in, like Johnny was saying, when we have these really bad red days or when we get FUD in the news. Because like we've all been saying, crypto's not going anywhere. You see all these companies that are building, like the two biggest use cases are gonna be payments and then crypto gaming. And so um, it's not going anywhere.
1: And this is what's really interesting. We're about to go through an article right now between Triangle and explaining how their system, which is rebranded as payments, is now $2 billion pre-transactions up over 1,700% in just the last 12 months alone. But we're actually going to start off with a Gary Gensler explaining to his classroom exactly how RP enhances payments.
0: In seconds, it
2: won't move as much. And the friction will be that you have to sell dollars to buy XRP
0: and then sell XRP to buy peso, or, or you can interpose any bridge currency. Uh, one of the most significant opportunities for state value tokens that we'll talk about in a few classes is maybe is what we can call it as a bridge currency for cross-border.
1: So he just described exactly why bridge currencies for cross border payments can change banking, Johnny. And he used XRP as an example. Pretty crazy, pretty crazy video there, Mario. But I'm going to kick it over to you. What do you take away from all this news? And then we'll go through this article right here. Ripple registered, sorry, Ripple partner increased their ODL by 20x. And guys, please keep it civil in the live chat. I hate to distract the show from this, but I see it's distracting Johnny Crypto as well. I I never block people. I will not block people unless it's absolutely necessary. But if you're going to distract Johnny, it's going to affect the show. So please keep it civil. Mario, that being said, floor is yours.
3: Yeah. um, So Gansler, we know he understands the technology. But the problem here is the framework. There is no framework. Okay, they're going to go after Ripple. Okay, they're going to go after Coinbase, Binance, and now DeFi protocols. But okay, what is the framework? Why don't those protocols or those companies comply with United States law? Because there is no law. And that's the problem. They can go after these uh, companies or exchanges or protocols as much as they want. But ultimately, that's still not resolving the bigger issue here. And the bigger issue here is lack of clarity. It's, it's lack of framework. I think that ultimately, KYC is going to have to be a mandatory thing amongst many aspects around crypto. I think that DeFi, as it is today, unfortunately, is not going to last too long. Obviously, it's going to last, you know, outside of uh, this jurisdiction. And I, I hope that it does because it's it's tremendous freedom to be able to do what you can do with DeFi. But the government doesn't want that. No government wants that. And as much as we have certain countries that are friendlier or less controlling than others, ultimately, the bigger agenda global agenda is to have more control over people. You will own nothing and be happy type of scenario. So I think that ultimately the future KYC is going to be mandatory. So they can sue these uh, or go after these exchanges. They're still not solving the bigger problem, which is no regulatory framework, no form that you can actually fill in to say, this is who we are. This is what we offer. This is what we want to do. And uh, this is how we plan to comply. There is no such thing in the United States. So that's the the thing that needs to get addressed.
1: Well, that's a perfect transition into our Ripple article, Mario, because Brad Garlinghouse and a team of Ripple employees were in Washington, D.C., specifically to meet with members of Congress and discuss crypto regulation. But guys, we already got 400-plus live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is an important conversation because as Brad Garlinghouse continues to discuss crypto with members of Congress, Congress people are getting more informed. And I think how this conversation shifts Ripple's CEO is set to meet with U.S. congressmen over crypto bills, but here's the important update out of D.C. So the CEO Garlinghouse has to meet with members of Congress to discuss a proposed crypto bill. The company's chief legal officer, Stuart Alderweire, and Vice President Rob Grant were also among those visiting in Washington, D.C. The CEO emphasized, you can't get regulatory clarity without actually engaging elected with officials who are proposing bills. There are two bills that they are currently discussing. The first one is House of Republicans, Financial Innovation and Te- Technology 21st Century Act. And the second one is Clarity for Payment Stable 2023. I really just want to focus on the fact that Brad Garlinghouse is going to be in this meeting, Johnny. Being a part of these conversations, it's not what you know, it's who. Brad Garlinghouse, hopefully, is voiced. Do you think we'll see any changes here? Once again,
0: Abs Again, you broke up for half of that, yeah. so I'm going to guess okay. the question. I, I okay, could, I couldn't tell if that thing. was my
2: audio or abs. So, no, sorry, no, no, no. I'll reset like
0: my Wi-Fi. Give me one it's second. It's right. It's all good. Yeah, but listen, so in the meantime, I can answer the question, so I know where you're going. So, basically, this is actually very, very good news, and this is one of the few times where who you know versus what you know is, is the rules, broken abs. So, in this case, what you know is important. And having a guy like Brad sitting at the table here is critical. This is this is this is what when when I was when I was uh, not a congressman, but when I was on the council, and we were trying to pass a bill on something, you want to make sure you know what the hell you're voting on. And so we would bring in people. You know, if someone was doing a technology update or something, you'd want to meet with those people, understand what you're trying to do, and make sure if you're trying to create regulation, you definitely go and talk to the different people. That your regulation is going, or your bill is going to ultimately end up controlling, or, or writing, or or working against. So in this particular case, this is very, very good news. What's sad is they don't do enough of this. The congressmen need to be. If you're going to be writing a bill about crypto, two things: a) you better know about crypto, and b) if you don't, you better be talking about people who know about crypto. That's
2: unfortunately, just unfortunately, Johnny. Sometimes and it doesn't work, them, work that way. Like, I, I, it yeah, does. Right? It does it, not work that way. Lobbyist. Believe me and the money I know. that goes into it. It's, it's crazy, right? I know. Common sense would dictate that. You would meet with the subject matter experts and then you would do very sensible regulation. but it's all about the lobbyists and the money and where they can make money and in, in that. So and, or, that, that sucks. But yeah, dude, um, Ripple is going to be a beast. Like if you look, if you're paying attention to link to, I think they've sold like 3 million worth of, worth of the uh, kind of pre-IPO stock in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. so, uh, they are absolutely going to be a juggernaut in this space. Well, Mario, while
1: I got my Wi-Fi connection here, we're going to run through this article and Johnny, feel free to cut me off if I start breaking up again, but Tranglo increased their ripple ODL usage by over 1700% in 2022. And look at this guys, the net ODL volume increased from 53 million in 2021 to $970 million in 2022 alone. And this is all thanks to Ripple's integration with Tranglo, the company address the challenges of small and medium enterprises in the region and abroad. For example, cash flow is one of the biggest challenges for SMEs that face with expanding quickly. To solve that, we work with Ripple, the leading enterprise blockchain crypto solution provider to extend credit facilities via its on-demand liquidity service. This helps our partners to free up working capital and grow, I'm going to add, exponentially here, Gonzo. And what's so exciting about this news is the Brad Garlinghouse clip that we started with. Uh, $27 trillion are currently locked in Nostro accounts. This is the solution right here. Now they're doing $3.3 billion total volume in transfers since 2022. What do you take away from Ripple's expansion while we're seeing a crackdown from the SEC?
2: I mean, they don't care. They're going to continue to do business. And you can see, you know, Johnny is was talking about this as far as he wants to see the technology being implemented. Well, there you go. There's the statistics of how this thing keeps growing, right? And you can see how they pivot, right? I, I said this before. The two biggest use cases that we're going to have is payments, and I think crypto gaming. But they've changed it. They don't name it ODL anymore. It's called Ripple Payments, right? Because everybody's getting into that game because that's where we're going. That's the future. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm not surprised. Um, and that's why, like, if you can invest in Ripple and XRP, why not have both? Because you know, we feel that Ripple is going to be like one of these Amazon companies, but in the in the financial world.
1: And we always talk about how once banks begin to integrate this technology, there's no going back. They're going to outperform their competitors dramatically. And Ripple actually provided a couple of great examples here of how they're going to do that. Obviously, they were able to use the blockchain 100% of the time, 24-7. This is a big fundamental difference between banks and blockchain here. They were able to use a 99% uptime, accomplishing previously unseen metrics related to the customer service experience. Ripple also sensationally rebranded their ODL service, and all mentions of ODL were removed from the company's website. Instead, the firm will use the mainstream term Ripple Payments going forward. Now, we're also going to scroll down to the bottom of this article because Gonzo broke it down pretty great. Since 2018, the team at Trianglo has increased its headcount by 40% from 140 to 260 people in five countries. In September of 2023, Trianglo stole headlines with its coordinated expansion to three new corridors. In a collaboration with SBI Remit, Tranglo advanced XRP remittance services to bank accounts in the Philippines, Vietnam, Indonesia, as well as large Asian corridors. Also, Tranglo facilitates transactions between UK, Australia, and South Korea, with a focus on the needs of an ever-growing Malaysian dysphoria within these countries. They've also established their presence in the UAE. So, Johnny, this is what we've been waiting for in Mario for quite a long time. Ripple's not only expanding, They're experiencing real-time utility from some of the largest corridors on the planet. And look at this, guys. Every corridor except for the United States is pretty much on this list, Johnny. I'm kicking it straight to you and then Mario.
0: The biggest corridor in the world is the US, and they don't have them, right? And to me, that that's the part that I'm waiting for. When they get the US, it's game over. And unfortunately, they haven't been able to do so for, for many reasons. One being I don't think they have the right connections. I mean, we know they were working on and teamed up with the right connections. And then they got booted because we know they were part of that old consensus in R three quarter. And there was something brewing there on a, on a good front. And then it fell apart and our three ended up suing them and they won and they got a bunch of money from ripple. And so something bad happened there. And then they got kicked out of the circle, in my opinion. And now they're like, okay, well we can't play in that circle. So we're going to play in the rest of the world. And that's what they're doing. But if you look at the GDP of countries, it takes a shit ton of countries to match the GDP of the U.S., right? The U.S. GDP is huge. And so the amount of money that's here compared to the rest of the world, you'd have to almost have the rest of the world, other than, of course, China, not not counting China, um, to be able to match the U.S. So it is sad. You know, you have to do a lot of work to get the same thing, whereas if you could just win in the U.S., it's almost game over. And that's 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 what the challenge that Ripple has in front of them, abs. They now have to go and do all of this legwork. And we showed yesterday on the show, Abs Ripple's hiring 60 people right now. Go to their website. 60, six zero. And you know what's sad, Abs? When you go through the list, five. Maybe five didn't count them exactly, but five or six out of the 60 are jobs in the US. The other 55 plus jobs are outside of the US. And I told you this would happen If we ended up pushing crypto outside of the U.S. and all the jobs now being created, at least for Ripple, and mostly crypto too, are outside of the U.S. Horrible, bad, bad news for the U.S.
1: Mario, Cybos is a banking conference. It happens every single year. But
0: what we're seeing right now is
1: they're talking about an era of expansion for blockchain technology. And look at this. The era of instant payments. Global banks must turn to the latest technology this is the main topic here for Cybos twenty twenty two, sorry twenty twenty three. But look at this, guys. We're about to show you a video explaining how the big banks are betting on an inflection point, and what we've been waiting for is on the precipice of happening before our eyes.
2: Harness the tech. It'll be a lot. It'll be API plugins is how anybody in this room will be using blockchain.
0: I I, I would agree with all with all that. I think that um, this is not a circumstance in which you know large financial institutions who are you know, in our arguably earning excess rents right now are saying, Oh, that's never going to take away my margin. Uh, everybody's aware, like, you know, everybody's aware it's coming and they're building, they're preparing for that inflection point where it's all of a sudden, okay, I have to pivot. I have to give up that, but I'm going to build efficiency. It's just, This is not going to be where people, I don't think, maybe some are going to be asleep at the switch. But I think for the most part, people know this is coming. It's going to change their business models, but it's going to make them more efficient. So it's one of these, you know, low revenue. Mario,
1: not only did he drop a bunch of great information in that clip, look at the background here. Tokenized assets, the new narrative for crypto is a trillion plus dollar opportunity. That's why these conversations are so important, Mario. The total coin market cap for crypto is a billion dollars. They're talking about a trillion dollars in tokenized assets coming to the blockchain. What do you take away from all this information? The banks, they're at an inflection point.
3: Yeah, 100%. There's no doubt that crypto crypto market is a multiple trillion dollar market in the future. Um, I think that the important thing to remember is that, uh, you know, in the United States and everywhere else too, there's you have the people that are in control. So in the United States, we have the banking cartel. I believe that in order for Ripple to really create that corridor in the United States, they have to be part of that cartel in some way or another. They have to be part of of the the people that are calling the shots. And so we know about JP Morgan. JP Morgan pretty much runs things when it comes to banking in the United States. And I believe that that's going to be one of the biggest uh, catalysts is going to be them allowing Ripple to work with them or them having some sort of interest in having ripple work with them so that that corridor can be fulfilled from the United States. So ripple can continue to create all these different partnerships outside of the United mm-hmm. States. Uh, and obviously the jobs is a great indicator of what's actually happening, where that demand is, but, um, only the future is going to, you know, be able to tell us what, what's going to happen as, as far as the United States is concerned. But the clarity now is here. They now know how to go ahead and, and, uh, operate some somewhat, In the United States and banks, the banks that were on the sidelines, as Bank of America has stated in the past, they were on the sidelines waiting. Well, now they have the clarity. Are they going to act on it? We'll see.
0: And the problem with the statement you talked about, Mario, is, well, I 100 percent agree with you. We know that Ripple had a relationship with JP Morgan and it fell apart. And that's a problem because if they can't repair that, and I don't think they can because of what's happened, they're in trouble. Because the only other option now are the other the banks. And hopefully, you know, we've drawn some ties and the abs has shown connections to Bank of America. But does Bank of America have enough, you know, weight in the room compared to J.P. Morgan to be able to make a difference? And secondly, will they pull Ripple in and build that, you know, their technology and adoption into it? That's what we're all waiting to see in the, you know, it's going to be some time before before that all happens. You would think that their system they would leverage it, but we haven't really seen that. And in City, went and created their own with the RLN rather than leveraging Ripple. So it, it is very interesting what's happening here. Abs, we listed a bunch of technologies yesterday that are actually being used for the new CBDC platforms. There's like seven or eight of them. Of course, R3 and Corda, R3 Corda and Quorum were in there, along with Polygon and Quant and a few others. But no mention of Ripple. So that's that. That's concerning, in my opinion.
3: And here's uh, something that I just want to point out, too. What's stopping, for example, JPM or Citi from developing on the XRPL? Incentive. Like, they there, could literally the, come out with the, a solution. The, the and...
0: relationship? The lawsuit that they got yeah, slapped I out of, no, I'm, little...
3: I mean the XRPL directly, not Ripple. I'm talking about XRP Ledger. They could literally develop a solution on the XRP Ledger completely bypassing Ripple.
0: They, I they, think. they, they can, but yeah. you're absolutely right. It's open source. They could do what they want. But they're going to end up doing, I mean, they've already got their own system built now. So, you know, they basically almost picked the brains of Ripple, saw what they were doing and created a duplicate version of it. So now I don't see them going back and using, I don't see that happening. I think that's the answer to your question is they've already got a competing system now. So why would they go backwards?
3: I don't think it it will happen, but just from a perspective of they could totally bypass Ripple.
1: And this is what's really interesting, guys. At the Cybos Conference this year for 2023, experts predict that 80% of the payment volume worldwide will use ISO protocols by 2025. This new messaging standard is accelerating the adoption of instant payments, and it's used for services like UK's new payment uh, agriculture bill, as well as the US Fed now support for seamless transactions in real time. We also have an update here from Europe, as the EU Commission has proposed a legislation that mandates all payment service providers to offer instant payments in euros at any time of the day and every single day using instant payment settlements. So this is really interesting, guys. Watching how the banks are mandating instant payments tells me in some ways they are mandating the use of blockchain technology. How do you feel about this, Johnny?
0: Oh, there's no question. i you're, you're 100% spot on here that they're going to use blockchain technologies. They're going to use it. The question is which ones are they going to use and, and how's it going to How's it going to translate to value for us, the investors, in, in the ones that they do use? And most of the ones they're going to use are going to be private blockchains. They're not going to use... Now, there will be a private to to public blockchain. There has to be because of the way the system is going to be designed and worked. But the main rails of the system, when, when reading... Um, the documents we shared yesterday apps, it talked about the, the need for a private system and it has to be private. So there'll be a private and a public piece. And the public piece may be a part that we're going to be able to invest in. Maybe even the private, but some of the private ones, you can't, you can't invest in R3 quarter. You can't invest in quorum. So there's certain things you just can't get access to. Um, but nonetheless, all the banks see it, all the banks know it's coming. And the ultimate question is what is going to be the liquidity the coin that's leveraged for liquidity. Because what we talked about, if you remember, Abs, I want to go back and remind everybody of this. The only thing that matters here, if you're concerned about price appreciation, is the daily trade volume of whatever is used. That is what's critical here. And we want to see a mass volume of that being built on a daily basis because that's going to drive market cap. Now, somebody said in the chat earlier, oh, market cap's useless. You don't care about market cap. That's actually not true. Market cap in this particular case where we're talking about a tr- uh, daily trade volume, the market cap absolutely matters because the market cap has to be able to cover the total daily trade volume that occurs on a daily basis on these 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 blockchains or you know whichever currency you know chain is used. So the reality is it does matter, and the more that it's used, the higher the the, the, the daily volume, the higher the market cap, and ultimately at the end of the day, if the coin is limited, the higher the price.
1: And Johnny, that's why it's so important about the collaborations between Ripple and the Philippines and Indonesia. What we're seeing right now is they're starting to test payments with very small transactions, $200 from Vietnam to $200 in the Philippines. You don't lose any value. That's the biggest upgrade we're experiencing here. But look at this update. 66% of all U.S. commercial bank deposits are partnered by Ripple partner Volante Services, guys. This is the updates that we are waiting for. The U.S. payment system right now does over two trillion dollars of worth of volume per day. That's 40% of the global payment network. That is all done in US dollars. Right now, Ripple does $15 billion per year in total volume for payments. So we're talking about drops in a bucket, Gonzo, that really just highlights how early we are in this market. And we got 390 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to ask Gonzo, with all this information playing out before our eyes, we're obviously seeing a shift towards digital assets. Is it the are we just waiting on the largest markets to basically give it the green light? What do you see as the biggest hurdles here? United States does $2 trillion every day. The world does over $5 trillion in cross-border payments every day. Eventually, most of that liquidity is coming to blockchains. How far away are we from that inflection point from your perspective?
2: I think we're still going to need regulation, right? I mean, for this thing to fully be implemented, you're going to need clarity. Like we've said, these companies don't want to cross the SEC. No matter how wrong we think they are, or how many cases they lose, they're going to be looking for regulatory clarity. So I think you're going to need that. And then you still need the infrastructure, which is being built right now. Like what these final solutions are, are kind of playing out as we speak. I talked a lot about Polygon and ZKEVM. That ZKEVM technology, it can't just be used to scale Ethereum. You can use it to scale Bitcoin. And back in the day, when they had Plasma as a scaling solution, they kind of, That came from kind of the Bitcoin developers, right? And so um, whether it's like AVAX with their subnet technology or Atom with its cross-chain technology or one of the layer twos with ZKEVM, this infrastructure is being built out. But once that's settled and then that's when you're going to like, it's kind of like Web 2. What happened once we went from Web 1 to Web 2? All the apps were built on top of it and those things really took off. And that's kind of like we're in this transition phase to where it's going to be like, and Quincy's talked about this, where it won't be about the blockchains. It'll be about the things that are built on top of the blockchain that continue to move that value.
1: Sorry, guys got stuck on the other page there, but we got 370 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. And I want to say thank you to Gonzo for bearing with me on that. Johnny, Johnny, you're being called out in the live chat again. They're giving you a hard time here this morning. I'm not sure why, but I just wanted to figure this out. XRP was removed from the New York York City's green list. And this is a red flag for the industry here, Johnny, because if they're going to start annexing technologies like XRP, the rest of the crypto market should be shaking in their boots. So an Australian lawyer, Bill Morgan, expressed his concerns about the New York Department's financial services removing Ripple's XRP from its green list. The extra layer of regulation could hinder XRP's practical use in the Empire State, adding to the cautionary note to otherwise straightforward regulations laid out by the New York Department of Financial Services. So they removed Dogecoin and they removed XRP basically simultaneously here, Gonzo. You give me your two cents and I'll give you mine.
2: On, on why they removed them?
1: Do you think it'll have an impact yeah. on XRP whatsoever that the NYDFS removed them from their green list?
2: No, dude. Like, look, I, I mean, I stare at that chart every day and there's just something about it. Like it's being manipulated. It's being kept down because, you know, and, and it could be just maybe it's not nefarious, right? Maybe it's just that we have the same trillion dollars that are just moving around from one project to another. But we just need liquidity. We need to kind of finish out the bear market. And we need because we think that the next bull run is going to be somewhere between seven and ten trillion. Right. And so we actually need that money to come into the market for XRP to finally take off. But otherwise, the price is pretty beat up and it doesn't matter if it gets negative news. You know, we're not gonna go very much further down. We're in that next range up once we're above 50, but when we drop below 50, the range is 41 to like 49. And so unless we get a black swan, that's kind of where we're gonna drop to when we've already been there. Like there's really, really strong support at that 40, 41 cent level. Hey, Hey
0: Abs, let me give you a fun fact here. Guess, guess what company is headquartered in New York? I'm not sure. Anybody want to take a guess? I'll give you I'll give you the first letter, J. JP Morgan? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. Let's you know watch. what?
1: Let's actually end the show with an interesting conversation. I was watching an interview with Mark Yusko yesterday, and he was talking about how Bitcoin ETF application is going to be approved. And I'm going to throw out his inside sources here. He said that he had inside sources telling him the BlackRock ETF will be approved this fall. And I think that that is going to be a huge catalyst for not only Bitcoin, but for XRP. The managing director for Ripple said the best thing that could happen to crypto prices overall, including XRPs, is the approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF. That's going to change how these markets work. And it's going to change how institutions actually act within the crypto sphere. So, Johnny, we got 30 seconds here. Give me some comments. What do you think about Yasko's I, statement?
0: I, I, I 100% agree with it. I, in fact, I've been preaching it on this show the next biggest liquidity event the only one i see that's going to drive the next bull run is the bitcoin etf because we're not getting the printed presses turned on there ain't no way they're turning the printing press on when we're sending interest rates of seven percent so the reality is the presses are off there's no money coming in so where is what's going to drive the next bull run the presses the printed press are not but a bta etf i'll leave you with that folks that will drive some serious liquidity into the next market. And with that said, let's kick off the closing music. Absolutely, guys. Friendly crypto
1: regulation is going to unlock the liquidity for this market. And that's what is on the precipice right now. We got 385 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to remind you, we are going to be traveling this week. So we might have a show Thursday and Friday. That's still up on the works. I want to say thank you to Mario. Thank you to Gonzo. And thank you to Johnny Crypto. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors,